battle off something myself. And uh, so y'all pray for me. When you pray, I know that there's all kind of stuff going going around. Uh, I'm supposed to preach the next couple of nights and then uh, outside a couple of nights the next week. And so I don't know how all that's going to go. And um, so y'all pray about that. Pray that God would touch me. But uh, tonight is all I'm concerned about right now. So I need your prayers as I preach tonight. Joshua chapter number 13. Of course, we've been in the book of Joshua, it seemed like, for a pretty good while. And uh, we're just past, I guess, the halfway point. Chapter number 13 is pretty lengthy, and uh, there's no way that I'd try to uh, preach all this tonight. But I do want to look at uh, the first portion of uh, Joshua chapter number 13. And uh, I thought about this verse and tried to find out how old Joshua was in this text. We're halfway through the book. The Bible said in verse number 1 of Joshua 13, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. This is the land that yet remaineth, all the borders of the Philistines and all of Geshura. The Bible said from Shihor, from Sihor until, uh, which is before Egypt, even unto the borders of Ekron northward, which is counted to the Canaanites, five lords of the Philistines, the Gazathites, the Ashtathites, the, Eskelon, the Eskelonites. God, you get up here and try to read that, amen. The Gittites and the Ekronites, also the Avites. From the south, all the land of the Canaanites and Mireah, that is beside the Sidonians under Aphek to the borders of the Amorites and the land of the Gib uh, Giblites and all Lebanon toward the sunrising from Baalgad under Mount Hermon under the entering into Hamath. All the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon unto Misrephoth Mayim and all the Sidonians, them will I drive out from before the children of Israel, only divide thou it by lot under the Israelites for an inheritance if I have commanded thee. So now the land has been subdued and now it is to be divided. And verses 7, 8, and 9, he talks about the land that will be divided here between Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh that had chosen to stay on the other side and God gave them their wish. The Bible said in verse number 10, And all the cities of Sihon, king of the Amorites, which reigned in Heshbon, under the border of the children of Ammon and Gilead, and the border of the Geshurites and Maacathites, and all Mount Hermon, and all Bashan under Salca, all the kingdom of Og in Bashan, which reigned in Ashtaroth and at Adria, who remained of the remnant of the giants, for these did Moses smite and cast them out. Verse number 13 again said, Nevertheless, the children of Israel expelled not the Geshurites nor the Maacathites, but the Geshurites and the Maacathites dwell among the Israelites until this day. Only under the tribe of Levi he gave none inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he said unto them. 
And I'll stop reading right there and try to preach out this first portion of chapter number 13 in this book of Joshua. And I'll get right on in the message, of course. There's a lot of introductions I guess you could give, but I've given a lot of introductions as we've been going through these chapters. So most people know where we are, but they're fighting the battle and they've gone in. And uh, last week we looked at how that uh, God marked those 31 kings that had been smitten by Joshua and the people of God. And that tells me that God gave them victory. And then verse number one said, Now Joshua uh, was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said, Thou art old and stricken in years. God will tell you the truth on you, won't he? And said, And there remaineth yet very much land to possess. Now, as I said, I read and I tried to figure out how old that Joshua here is here in this text. And uh, I don't know exactly how old he is, but by everything I've been able to find out, he's got to, if he's not a hundred, he's bumping a hundred. And if he, I mean, he can see a hundred in the front lights, I mean, the headlights, he can see a hundred years of age. So he's, 90 plus years old and he's fought a lot of battles and he says there's still some victory there's still some land to be possessed and what that tells me there is it doesn't matter how old you get brother Mike it doesn't matter how many years that you've got under your belt serving God doesn't matter how old that you are there's still something else that you can do for God I think a lot of times people who get on up in years they battle that they say well what can I do uh, for God I've got old I've got stricken in years I, I don't have the health I used to have. I don't have the mental capacity that I used to have. I don't, I don't have the, the strength. I don't have the vigor uh, that I had. Let me say this. That's why when you're young, you need to enjoy it, amen. When you've got a good mind, when you've got a good head on your shoulders, when you've got good health, give it to God. Give your life to God as a young person. You don't have to wait to get on up in years. I was a 30-year-old man when I got saved. I was thinking about all the years that I could have given to God that were wasted on the devil. And I'm glad God God gave mercy and I got saved. But I think about what I could have done, where I could be now with the Lord if I'd given my life to him as a young person. But I read this text and I think about, well, this man, I mean, listen, he, he's, not, I mean, he's no spring chicken by any stretch of the imagination, but God said, Joshua, there's still something else for you to do. And that tells me right there that God wants us to keep pressing on. Now, people might say, well, now, Brother Randy, you got to understand that once you reach this particular spiritual plateau, you just kind of chill a little bit and you ride along a little bit on that plateau and then you kick it into climbing gear again. Well, don't think about that. You're going to have to show me that out of the Bible. Amen. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said that we will grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Look at that word grow. I'm telling you, it is in right now, Miss Jimmy. It is time to go on for God. Amen. And I say, I say this, I, I think about the great men and the great ladies that we've had in this church and how many of them are going on to be with the Lord. But Miss Jimmy, I'll be honest, I'm glad that you're here, amen. I mean, we miss you when you're not here. And you are a very, very pertinent part of this service. I'm telling you, that's exactly right. Now, listen, I'm telling you the truth. I'm being honest with you. I think everybody in here will thank God for Miss Jimmy Lou Allen, amen. I mean, listen, and you're on up in years. You're seasoned, all right? You're a seasoned saint of God. But I tell you this, there's a lot of things we can learn from those seasoned saints of God. But there's a lot of things God wants us to know that you'll never get to a place where you just kind of chill out and go with the flow. That means that there's more mountains to conquer. And I, I thought about this later on. We're going to look at Caleb. 
in the next chapter and uh, he's a seasoned saint of God way on up in years uh, a little bit younger probably than uh, Joshua is in the text and he said you know what I've still got a mountain and I won't he still was fighting for victory and thank God for that so no matter how old you are there's still something for you to do for the glory of God and God still desires you uh, to do something for his honor and his glory and so you begin to read all these things about the land and the borders and how that God has given the inhabitants of the hill country and the inhabitants of the land and the land of the toward the uh, sun rising from Belgad unto Mount Hermon under the entering unto Hamoth. I mean, God has got it all mapped out. He said, listen, I've given you this land. This land is your land. I've given it to you, but I'm telling you something here. You have God's sovereignty and their responsibility working together. God said, I've done give you this property. I've give you this land, but then you see the responsibility that they have to go in and possess it. That tells me right there that God is working on the people's behalf, but the people have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to go on with God. We have a responsibility to trust God. And these nine and a half tribes in the text, of course, and I mentioned Gad, Reuben, and a half tribe of Manasseh, by their own choice uh, chose to stay on the east side, but these nine and a half tribes were to trust God for their inheritance and listen, God said, I've done give you the land, but they had to trust God and they had to go in and possess that land by faith and so that means he said tribe by tribe and he begins to address the tribes and he begins to say you've got this land and you've got this property but you've got to go in and possess it that tells me that everybody in this church everybody tribe by tribe but each tribe was made out of individuals and each individual and each tribe had a responsibility and with that responsibility came some accountability accountability is being responsible one to another you say I don't want any accountability whatsoever. And I think that's where we are today. That's why nobody wants anybody to tell them what to do. That's why nobody wants the laws. That's why nobody wants any regulations. That's why nobody, hey, they, they nobody going to tell me how fast I need to drive. There's nobody going to tell me I got to put a helmet on when I ride a motorcycle. I mean, listen, I, and I know there's different states that allow you to do that. If you do get me on a motorcycle, it's because I've lost my mind or I'm dead and y'all trying to dispose the body. But if something does happen, I lose my mind. I promise you that I'm going to get me one of them helmets and then I'm going to get me a helmet on top of a helmet. Amen. I'm going to get shoulder pads. Brother Jay, I look back and you doing that. That's kind of funny. Amen. I mean, he went like that right there. I guess that's helmet. All right. Either that or the preacher's lost his mind. When I see him doing like that, then I know we're in trouble. All right. But I tell you, listen, I, if I'm going to do something like that, I'm going to have all the protection I can have on. I'm going to have everything that I can have on because I understand that I have a responsibility and I have accountability. I mean, listen, they say this is the law. This is the rules. This is what you're going to have to do. If you don't do it, you're going to get in trouble. But I think about this on a basis of just human life, how every one of us have a responsibility. You know, I feel responsible for this church. I'm the pastor of this church, and I bless the Lord for that. But I feel a responsibility about that. But with that responsibility also comes some accountability. But nobody wants that today. That's why people pass the buck. That's why people blame the preacher. That's why people blame people. That's why people will blame circumstances. And listen, I, I know that they'll, they'll point the finger at this and they'll blame this one and blame that one. But a lot of times they'll just flat out, they'll just blame God. They'll point the finger at God and say, well, the reason my marriage didn't work is because God did this to me. I'm telling you, listen, God didn't do that. God did not make that individual 
individual walk away. God did not make your spouse leave. God did not make your parents do what they did. I'm telling you, God is not the author of that. God will bless you and God will have mercy. And God is a God, I mean, listen, a God of blessings in your life. But there's people that's made bad decisions. There's people that have messed up their life. And listen, you can't blame God for that. And really, in all honesty, you can't even point the finger at them because God will deal with them and God will take care of them. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can say, you know what? I have a responsibility. I have some responsibility. Hey, I have a responsibility to the church. I'm telling you, if you're married, you've got a responsibility to your spouse. Amen? You should be held accountable. Amen? That's what he's doing in the text. He's beginning to calling them out and he's beginning to say, I'm giving you this property. And everybody's looking at one another and say, man, I'm ready to go. And then they say, well, I tell you what, I'm counting on you to get us there. I'm counting on you to stay faithful. I tell you, your spouse is counting on you to be faithful. That means some accountability. Your children, children, you're accountable to your parents. I'm accountable to my friends and you should be accountable to your friends as well. But I'm telling you, we are accountable to one another in this church. Amen. I'm telling you the requirements of a bishop, they're straight in the Bible. But I'm telling you what, we have requirements of our own in the Word of God. Amen. You're not going to escape accountability. You're not going to get away with it. Amen. We are going to be accountable. We have an accountability to this church, encouraging one another to grow with one another and help each other along in spiritual maturity. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. If we really really, really want to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and have faith and be effective in the service of God, then we need to hold one another accountable. Now, listen, that's not hiding out in somebody's uh, bushes somewhere looking through the window. I mean, listen, with a pair of binoculars trying to look and see what's going on on the inside. But I am talking about, hey, we're counting on one another. Thank God I'm counting on you to be here. I'm counting on you to stay with God. Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 5:11, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do. And we beseech you brethren to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble minded, support the weak, be patient unto all men. This is how things gets done, amen, that, because we hold one another accountable. These people in the text are counting one another to trust God and to do their part and to tow their I mean I'm, listen, I'm talking about uh, carry their weight. I mean listen I'm talking about not dragging the saw when they're sawing. I'm talking about listen staying with it and everybody doing their part for the honor and glory of God. They're counting on one another. Amen. Everybody can't be everybody. Boy isn't that profound. <laughs> everyone cannot be everyone in this church. That's right, we got different, we got different uh, people in here. We got different cultures, different colors, different backgrounds, different upbringings, different pedigrees. I can't do what you do and you can't do what I do. But I'm telling you, together, we can try. I mean, listen, we can go to the top, friend. We can keep climbing. We can keep going. God help us not to ever get stagnant around here and satisfied where we are. Amen. 
I'm telling you, Philippians 1.27 said, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And listen, if we don't stay together, we're going to stray, we'll be ineffective, and God forbid uh, somebody in this church end up shipwrecked, somebody in this church end up getting out of church, somebody in this church end up just quitting on God. Hey, listen, don't listen. Listen to the devil. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. And everybody in here is important. And I am counting on everybody in here. And I tell you what, you ought to feel that way. Say, say, listen, hey, they're counting on me to be there. They're counting on me to serve God. They're counting on me to be faithful. They're counting on me to have a Sunday school lesson. They're counting on me to show up for visitation. They're counting on me to be there Sunday. Amen. Amen. There's responsibility to possess that land. But they had to take the initiative. The Bible said God's a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That takes some initiative. I know it's Wednesday night, and I know y'all, uh, many of you have worked and that you've labored, and I know it's probably been a long day, probably going to be a long day tomorrow for a lot of people. Amen? I understand that. I know that. I tell you, it takes some initiative to, to serve God and keep going when you don't feel like going. Amen. I know we got people that are not here tonight because they're sick. They're not feeling well. Our heart goes out to them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, praise God, just, just folding the tent and say, well, I'm not going to do it anymore or it's not worth it. I tell you, it'll be worth every mile of the trip. It'll be worth every valley. It'll be worth every battle. It'll be worth every mountain. It'll be worth every skirmish in this life when we stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat and he, hear him say, by the grace of God, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Well, look what happened here. It was amazing to me when I read this again. He said, nevertheless, the children of Israel expelled not the Gisharites nor the Maokathites, but the Gisharites and the Maokathites dwell among the Israelites unto this day. You think about that. The people of God, and again, these are, these are not two powerful tribes. These are two small tribes of the Gisharites and the Maokathites. And I looked back and I thought, man, they've done it again. They failed to drive out a week, couple weeks ago, whenever that was, I guess that's right, because Joshua led up and did not take Gaza and did not take Gath and did not take Ashdod. We looked at that and we studied how because he did not do that, because he did not take out Gaza. Uh, that is where, of course, it, he ended up, Samson ended up down there in the devil's barber shop, down there at the devil's salon. And uh, that's where Delilah got a hold of him and that's where he lost his life, was down there in that place. And then we thought about Gath. Of course, that's where uh, the giant came from. Goliath was Goliath of Gath. Then we talked about Ashdod. And these places would end up being a source of, uh, of, of, I guess, probably some of the greatest nemesis that Israel had was these three pe pe people, that Gaza and Gath and Ashdod. Gaza, was, of course, was a place of a, of a downfall of a mighty man. And uh, you think about all the things that could have happened and Samson could have done. You think about Goliath and how he struck fear in everybody. You think about Ashdod, where the ark was taken and the Philistines worship their God Dagon down there in that land because somebody let up and somebody did not keep going. You think about the inhabitants of those areas. They're still causing problems today. But I'm telling you, because you look like they'd learned, it looked like they'd went on. They said, well, you know, I want a little rest. I, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of the battle. I tell you, he's, he let them live. They did not drive out. These two nations that I mentioned, you can read in 2 Samuel chapter number 3 and verse number 3, 
on down the road, King David would later, he would marry a woman uh, from, uh, she was a descendant. She was a daughter of a king by the name of Talmai. Anybody want to guess where Talmai was king at? He was the king of Geshur. David ended up marrying this woman who was the daughter of the king of Geshur. All right? Anybody want to guess who Absalom's mama was? This woman that he found because somebody in a previous generation did not take that enemy out that was a heathen, that was an idolater. And God said, listen, you're going to have to get away from those people. You've got to stay away from those people. You're going to have to not be associated with You're going to have to take them out if you're going to have. Now, listen, we understand we, we operate in a different dispensation, but the lesson here is you cannot be affiliated with them. You cannot be associated with them, and there is no substitute for nothing but complete victory. He said, you've got to go in, and you've got to take this land. And listen, because he, they did not, again, they made the mistake, and that was exactly where Absalom came from. That, of course, that was probably, I mean, I guess the most rebellious son that he had was Absalom. Absalom actually returned to the land of Geshur and used it as a place to plot against David to try to take him out because they did not take out the enemy. They Maochathites. They may have come out, out of an individual named Maochah mentioned in Genesis 22 who was the nephew of Abraham. You can read 2 Samuel chapter number 20 when Zeba rebelled against David. He fled and may have even taken, one of the commentators said may have even taken to hide in this land of Maoka. And so what you don't deal with today or what you think is not a big deal today could turn out to be a real big deal later on. Look at verse number 14. He said, only under the tribe of Levi, he gave none inheritance. He said, the sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he said unto them. The tribe of Levi, they were not given it. Can you, can you imagine? I mean, you're standing there and all these lands are getting, I mean, allotted and, and people say it. And about that time, the Levites said, well, you know, I'd like to have some property. I'd like to have some land. And then they begin to think about what God had promised them many, many chapters earlier. Levi, we understand the priestly tribe. It was not given a land as far as ownership of property because God would be their inheritance. They weren't going to receive everything like everybody got. I mean, they weren't going to get the piece of property. They weren't going to get the title deed to the land at that time. The Levites would be given certain cities on down the road. We'll probably study that in Joshua 20 and 21. They would be given those cities there. But I tell you what they did have that nobody else had. They had, again, that great responsibility and the privilege to do what everybody else could not do. They had the things that you could not put a price tag on. The Bible said this. He said, only under the tribe of Levi, he gave none inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance. God said, I'm not going to give you any property. I'm going to give you my person. He said, I'm not going to give you a piece of land. He said, I'm going to give you a place with the Lord. And I'm telling you, you talk about an opportunity and then not to complain and think about, well, why don't I have this? And why don't I have that? Or why don't I have this piece of property? And the Bible said, the sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire 
tithe. That's what I'm going to give to you. The Levites had as their inheritance the offerings that they would offer up to the Lord. They have an opportunity to go in and feel the presence of God. They had an opportunity to do what God said and have the blessings of God and the presence of God in their life. Their blessings came from God, the God of the people. The Bible said about these people, these the Levites, the tribe, they were the fire keepers. They were in charge of keeping the fire burning. Amen? Leviticus 6 and verse 12 said, And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood in it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. He said, The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. He said, I'm going to put you in charge of something that's more precious to me than anything else. It's not a piece of property. It's the fire. He said, I'm going to put you in charge of not letting the fire burn out. You say, Brother Andy, what's that got to do with that? Well, one of the Baptist distinctives is the individual priesthood of the believer. And the Bible said, Revelation 1, 5, from Jesus Christ, who's a faithful witness, first begotten of the dead, prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The next verse, and said, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That doesn't mean that we walk around pompous, you know. That doesn't mean we walk around self-willed and rulers and demanding loyalty and demanding this and demanding that like kings do in this world. But I tell you what it does mean. It means that our model of kingship is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. A king that rules by love. A king that rules by obedience. And a king that rules to bring glory and honor to the kingdom. I'm telling you, thank God, I'm a child of the king. I'm glad, thank God, I've got what this world cannot give you. I've got peace and love and joy and happiness. But I tell you what else I have. Thank God I'm a king through the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'm a priest as well. That means I can get to God. That means I can have fellowship with God. That means I can talk to the God of the universe. I'm talking about one that's never been in a quandary. I'm talking about somebody that's never been in trouble. I'm talking about somebody that's never not known what to do when I don't know what to do. Amen? He's made us that. I tell you how the fire will go out. Just quit spending time in the presence of God. The fire will start to dwindle. I tell you, listen, we have response. Everybody in here, if you're saved, if you're saved, you have a responsibility to keep the fires burning, amen? I mean, listen, I, I'm talking about God said he's made us. You say, well, you don't look like, you don't look like a whole lot. You, y'all don't look like much. You Christians don't look like much because you're looking the wrong way. I mean, you, you look at me, I don't look like much. I mean, I'm, you know, much. I mean, but I'm talking about in, in my stature, in my, what I have to offer somebody, it's not much. But I'm telling you, it's not me. Praise God, it's what he has made us. He's made us kings and priests. Thank God I'm part of royalty. I mean, they talking about all the falling out and, and uh, you know, they're the queen, she's passed away and they talking about all the falling out in the family and how they won't speak to one another. And I thought about how sad that it is that they're part of royalty. They're part of family. I mean, listen, they're born in the same family. These are sons and they won't even speak to one another. But I, then I thought about how sad it is in the house of God where we have and sometimes we'll have a falling out and we won't speak to one another and we'll get upset at one another and there's a great division 
division between one another. God help us in these days. I tell you, listen to my wife and I, I thought about this. I think she used it in Sunday school and I, I used it the other night about how those four pieces of wood were burning together. And when they were together, I mean, listen, the flame was going up. But when they separated those four pieces of wood, the fire went out and it was nothing but smoke. I tell you, we need everybody in here to get on board. We need everybody, praise God, spend some time with God, get in the word of God, spend some time in prayer and let God light you up, amen. Amen. You say, well, I'm just not excitable. I'm just not excited. I know you don't have the same, I know you don't have the same uh, makeup as a lot of us. You don't have the same personality as some of us do. I tell you, there are some things that fire you up. Oh yeah, those things fire you up. I mean, listen, you, you get fired up over some things. Sometimes a good way, sometimes in a bad way. I mean, you let somebody, I'll tell you what, fire you up. If somebody come in your yard, turn a couple of donuts. I mean, listen, I, I'm talking about got right in the middle of your newly mowed yard and went out there and cut a couple of donuts, throwed mud up everywhere, got out and left a big gun. I'll tell you what would happen. I'd have fired you up. Amen. You know, if you'd have got your, they don't tell you, you'd call the law on them, got mad and got upset. Took you three or four days to get over it. Maybe you get fired up about something bad. Oh my, you might get fired up about something that may not necessarily be sinful. You may get fired up, man. I mean, listen, you got your eye on a 10 point and I mean, you got him and you got him right there and I mean, boom. And my, boy, I'll tell you what, I, buddy, I'll tell you what, I just pummeled him. I mean, I hit him right in the sweet spot. I mean, I'm talking about heart double lung. Oh man. I mean, listen, I'm talking about getting real, real excited about that. That fires you up. Or, buddy, you, I mean, listen, you, you're you out there, and I mean, you're dropping, and you're doing a little, I mean, you you got the worm, and you're bringing it across the bottom, and you can feel it, and then boom, 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 boom. And I mean, whoa! And, buddy, you bring it in, and you turn it sideways, and it weighed about a pound and a half. You turn it sideways, open this mouth, and it looks like it weighs 10 and a half pounds. Well, you can send it to everybody and say, look what the fish I caught. But you got fired up about that. Praise God, if you can get fired up, and I get fired up about some of that. But I'm telling you what, there's nothing that fires me up more than Jesus and church and the Word of God. Amen. Praise God. But it ain't just the preacher to be in charge of the praise team. You say, you got a praise team around here. We do, and you're looking at the leader of it, but praise God, I'll tell you this, it, this is not a one-man outfit. It shouldn't be a one-man show. Amen. I understand. Listen, I know, I know what the, Bible tell, what the Bible says about decently and in order, and I'll be honest with you. There's probably a lot of things, a lot of running, a lot of screaming, carrying on. I don't know if God's in it or not. I'll be honest, I don't, know, I don't know if God's in that or not. I mean, y'all have heard me tell it about, you know, I, I mean, I've seen them run and, and they talk about, you know, how great things was. And, you know, that my wife talking about that fella, and it was way before I got here, cutting around, running around Faith Baptist Camp. And y'all seen them big old metal beams hanging on the side of the, uh, coming down the side of the wall, and everybody's running and carrying on. And all of a sudden, they, and one of them just T boned it. I mean, I mean, listen, and I remember that night I was, I was there, and I didn't know what was going on. This fella went down through there, and I mean, listen, you're talking about he was excited. He was really excited and uh, he had a toupee and he cut a flip. I don't know what made him do that, but he cut a flip right in the aisle, right there. And I'm telling you, that toupee went foom and just sat there, just like that. It looked like Don King. I'm talking about sticking straight up in the air. And he was running like that right there. And everybody was laughing.
whooping and a carrying on. And buddy, he had no idea. Poor old feller, poor old feller. He had no idea that what was going on there. But you know what? That didn't bother me because I ain't got to give an account for that guy. And as long as he don't run over me or my wife and family, it ain't going to matter. And it, you ain't going to get hurt out here. But I tell you, it ain't going to hurt you if you, don't, if you don't feel like running. And you can't run. I tell you what you can do. Praise God, you can bring some fire in here to the house of God. Amen. Amen. I'm not talking about firearms. I'm talking about fire. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm talking about exuberant. You know how they say, boy, I tell you what, the stadium's rocking. And you know what, what happened up there? And I'm sorry, Brother Josh. But what happened up there? And they said, did you hear what happened? You, you're talking about Brother McCracken? Surely, I hope, I hope, my goodness, somebody like the University of Tennessee, I hope they can afford to buy a couple of goalposts instead of taking up an offering to pay for their goalpost. They struggling, ain't they? Amen. That's pretty bad. Give me an amen right there, Josh. You've been waiting on to do that. I have no doubt about it. And buddy, they got so excited. And I mean rushed, come out, I mean just come plumb out of the stand, tore the goalpost down, and screamed and hollered and carried on. And that's been on the news about how great it was and how wonderful it was and how good to see. Tennessee, it's football time in Tennessee. And everybody's so excited about that up there. And I'm telling you, that same crowd what well, look at me tonight and look at some of us and then say, what in the world has got into him? And running around with an old raccoon cap or something probably smell like an old wet dog with a cigar hanging out of their mouth carrying on and screaming and hollering about something that a million years from now ain't gonna matter nothing. And we get a little bit, a little bit excited because we're saved and don't have to die and go to hell washed in the blood and got joy unspeakable. Amen. Thank God that ought to fire you up. You said, I've had a long day. Thank God you've had a day. These people in the hospital, these people, I mean, listen, you might be here tonight, you might not be feeling real well. Honey, these people down, these people look like this. Boy, don't he look good. Amen. Don't he look good. I tell you what, I'm looking better tonight than I'd look like this right here. I tell you that. Amen, you're alive. If you're alive, you, if you're alive, amen, it ought to fire you up. Let alone saved, let alone born again, let alone get and go to hell if you wanted to, and I don't want to, amen, but I'm not. Oh, I, I'm, just, I'm just not emotional. And, and I, hey, I, let me say this. Let me say this. I, I understand what the Bible teaches about women. Okay, I understand. I know that. I know that. And I understand that the meek and quiet spirit. I know that's in the Bible. I, I'm, not, I, I'm really not critical. I'm not critical of, of anyone. But I will say this. If don't judge someone that gets excited just about different things that you don't get excited about, if they get excited about God, if they get excited about that they're saved, if they get a little thrilled about a hill called Calvary, if they get the can't help it every once in a while, if they get the don't cares, or where we're from don't cares, if they get the don't cares just every once in a while, every once in a while, please don't be critical. <laughs> I mean, listen, you didn't see us. You didn't see us before the Lord found us. I mean, listen, you, you don't understand. You don't know. And I'm telling you, I know it took enough grace. I know it took as much grace to save y'all for church pew as it does a bar stool. I know all that. I know all that. But Jesus did say this. 
He said, for where much is, uh, where much is get, he that is forgiven much loveth much. And I'm telling you, I can't help it. I think where I was 25 years ago, I was going to hell. And, and listen, nobody cared. Everybody said, well, let's let him go. He's gone too far. Thank God I'm glad Jesus Christ came and made me what I am. He made me a king. He made me a priest. Thank God he's not ashamed to call us brethren. I know some people might be ashamed. Well, I'd be ashamed to act like that. I'd be ashamed to carry on a holler like that. Well, I guess that's why God let me do it, amen? I guess that's why God lets me carry it on. But I promise you, I'll be in the norm when we get to heaven. Amen. I'll have a glorified body. Amen. I don't know how much I weigh, but it'll be better over there. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'll have a glorified body. I don't know how all of it's going to work out. But I'll tell you this. I want to worship him and praise him on this side. Amen. Jesus has enabled us to come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Need. These Levites, they had a relationship, but they had sonship. Amen. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Man, we have a relationship with God tonight. That ought to fire you up. Everybody gets down. Everybody gets discouraged. I understand that. I know that. But they had the blessing of having the God of heaven. And their blessings came not only from the God of the people, but the people of God in Israel. Amen. I'm telling you, you're talking about a good deal that we got. We've got, everybody's wanting to hit the jackpot. Everybody's talking about the recession. I guarantee you where there's not been one recession, and that's in heaven. Amen. Everybody's stressed out about this. And listen, I don't like paying, you know, I don't like paying what, we've had, what we're having to pay and what we're having to do and things like that. I'm telling you, listen, you know, everybody said, well, I can't wait in November. I, I can't wait in November. They'll say, well, what happens? What happens if your man don't win in November? Honey, my man won over 2,000 years ago at the cross of Calvary when he died in my place, got up out of the grave, gave me victory, and promised he'll take care of all of my need. Amen? Thank God you can't get no better now. That ought to fire us up tonight. Amen? Praise God for the privilege that we have of the priesthood. Not just property, but the priesthood. Amen? All right, let's everybody.